Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be and the troops fled to their tents. Thus Edom has been in revolt against Judah's authority to this day, and Libna revolted at that time. Now this area of Edom was a place that came under Judah's control long back when Jehoshaphat had defeated a combined attack force that was made up of many different kingdoms, and Edom was part of that force. So you can read about this story in Second Chronicles chapter 20 if you want to. So Edom had later helped Israel fight against King Mesha of Moab. We read about that back in 2 Kings chapter 3, just kind of building our history up here. But for some reason or another, Edom had enough of being under somebody else's authority. They just didn't want it anymore, so they fought back. Jehoram took his army to put this revolt down, but he was defeated, and he barely escaped with his life. What the Bible is trying to show us here is that the serving of false gods will bring defeat into your life. That's what it's being said here. You serve false gods, you're going to have defeat. Now, had Jehoram been more like his dad Jehoshaphat, instead of listening to the wickedness of Ahab's line from his wife and not served that false god Baal, he most likely would have succeeded in this military move here. More likely, Probably Edom wouldn't have rebelled in the first place. So serving false gods brings a lot more problems. And the Bible is trying to show us from this little story here that the entire kingdom of Judah was a lot weaker kingdom under Jehoram's wickedness because he served Baal instead of the Lord. Now, friends, I want you to get this, though, because we just read it in verse 19. I'm going to make verse 19 stick in you, okay? Even though they were still under covenant promise, they still were weaker, and they had a defeat, okay? Again, this demands our attention here. We've got to look at this, that just because you might be under covenant promise, that does not give you the right to sin all you want to. Just because you're under covenant promise doesn't mean you get to turn and do things your way instead of doing things God's way, because God can still execute harsh judgment even to those who are under covenant promise. We've just seen this here with Judah. They're under covenant promise, but God still judged them for their sin. Okay, hope you're catching this. 2 Kings 8.23 Now the rest of the acts of Joram and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So Joram rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, now there's more information here than just what Second Kings gives us. Considering how bad he was, <laughs> I had to run over to another book to find out what kind of death Jehoram died. And he was a bad guy. 
How, how did he die? Let's find that out. Second Chronicles 21 verse 18 says, The Lord afflicted Jehoram with an incurable disease of the bowels. In the course of time, at the end of the second year, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in great pain. His people made no funeral fire in his honor, as they had for his predecessors. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret. (laughs) Wow. It's like they wanted him gone, right? Now, let me throw something at you here. If, If you're one of those people that believes that sealed covenant promise condones a sin license, then I want you to take a very good look at this passage here that we just read. I want you to make a real good snapshot of this. This was a king who was under covenant promise. He had that covenant promise of Judah for David's sake because of the covenant God made to David. This is a guy who's under covenant promise according to the Davidic covenant. Now, you need to observe and ask the question, was Jehoram allowed to sin all he wanted to and abuse the covenant promise that he was given? Because that's what a lot of people think that covenant promise means when it comes to salvation. Oh, I'm saved by Jesus. I'm, I'm going to be saved no matter what happens, so I might as well just sin all I want to. Let's party. Okay, I want you to look at Jehoram here real quick. Was he allowed to sin all he wanted to? You really have to answer that. Did he get away with it? All the sin and all the stuff he did, listening to Ahab's daughter, was he allowed to get away with it? No, he wasn't. Look at what his sin cost him. He, it, he died. Judgment was executed upon him, and it was miserable. It was a terrible, agonizing death. Now, friends, I'm going to make this as abundantly clear as I possibly can. The fact that covenant promise does not, does not, I'm just not sure anybody, everybody's hearing me on this, covenant promise does not condone a sin license. It just doesn't. I've been accused of saying that, you know, once saved, always saved means you can sin all you want to. I have never said that. People call me a, a Calvinist and all these kind of weird labels. Uh-uh. No, I reject that. You're not, don't, don't do me that way. This is not what this is. We're just reading Scripture, what it says. Covenant promise does not condone a sin license. Jehoram was under covenant promise, and he had to pay for his sin. But covenant promise also does not invalidate God's promise either. Just because the guy sinned doesn't mean God could say, well, I'm taking my promise away because you were bad. Okay. King Joram, Jehoram, whatever. King Joram, (laughs) he went out painfully and he went with no honor. And the people of Judah were actually kind of glad that he went. But God did not take out Judah because of it. God did not destroy Judah as bad as they were. Because he promised to them, he did not destroy Judah. Judah must be kept. Friends, please hear me. The promise of God must be kept, or else he's not God. If God can break promises, then God's a liar. 2 Kings 8 and 25. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. 
And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab, and did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. Okay, so we're given another bad track record here of evil kings, doing just like their parents did, bad stuff, handed down bad behavior in the leadership of Israel. And how long does it say that this guy reigned? He reigned one year. Poof, he's gone. It was a very short reign. Typically, you see a very short reign for a king. He was probably a bad guy. God wouldn't put up with it for very long, and he took him out. Now, again, look at what wickedness will get you. It will even cut your life short. 2 Kings 8, 28. Now, he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to go to war against Hazael, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Syrians wounded Joram. Then King Joram went back to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. Okay, Israel and Judah, they were allies during this time. Now, Ahaziah joined Joram to fight against Syria because Joram was Ahaziah's uncle. Okay, so they combine forces like it's a family affair here. Let's get together and go fight these guys. Now, in the next chapter, we're going to see that while Ahaziah was visiting Joram, Jehu attacked and killed him. All right, more to the story. Newsflash, here it comes. Okay. And when he killed him, it caused Ahaziah to run away to Megiddo. So what we're seeing here is that the Lord did not allow these wicked kings to have any rest. The ministry of both Elijah and Elisha, their initial point to this, was to warn King Ahab and all the relatives that was after him, the kings on both sides of both kingdoms, to warn them about the consequences of sin. Friends, the Lord will not let sin go on undealt with. And the ministers that are on the radio, the ministers in your churches, the Christians that are in your life, they're there to warn you about the consequences of sin. That's why they call you to repentance, because the consequences of sin come with harsh judgment. And that's not just the case of these kings here. Friends, that's for every last one of us. God will not allow our sin to go undealt with. He has to judge sin and he has to judge it harshly. The problem is, all of us are sinners. And so this presents a real problem for us. Now, like we've seen in this chapter, sin corrupted these kings. Yeah, the one king, he could have listened to Jehoshaphat. He decided not to. He listened to his wicked wife of Ahab, and she messed him up. And so he got corrupted, right? And so their rejection of the Lord is what kept them from experiencing victory. You ever wonder where victory is in your life sometime? Well, you're feeling like there's a lack of it, or you just can't seem to win. You just can't seem to get ahead. Well, maybe there's a sin in your life that's choking that off. So it's really good to know that those of us who have given ourselves to the Lord Jesus, we can experience His victory. 1 John 5, 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So a major theme in this chapter is the fact that the Lord had to execute judgment against sin. Now, these men here, they refused to submit to the Lord, and so they went down with God's judgment upon themselves. But Jesus gave us a way out to where we don't have to go down with judgment on us 
but rather our judgment can be transferred over to him. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So like the wicked kings we read about here, Man, all of us have sinned too. Not just don't just point at them, oh you bad kings. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. All of us. Even me, especially me. <laughs> and the Lord has dealt with their sin. The same as our sin has to be dealt with as well. God's going to judge our sin, all of us. But he's going to judge our sin in one of two ways. Instead of you going down for your own judgment, he's either going to judge your sin on you or you can submit your life to Jesus and have the penalty of your judgment transferred over to Jesus Christ on the cross so that he will go down for it instead of you. Hebrews 9.15 He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So the first covenant, it was going to kill us all. The first covenant was basically, if you sin, you die. That was going to get us all because we all sin. We were all going to go down for it. But through death, because of Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross, dying in our place, we can be placed under the new covenant promise that brings us eternal life. Now, I want us all to understand that eternal life is bound by covenant promise. That's what Hebrews 9.15 says. So consider how God had to judge the king of Judah. And we have also seen him judge the tribe of Judah before as well. But 2 Kings 8 verse 19 says that God would not destroy Judah. He would not take them out because of the eternal promise that he made with them in the Davidic covenant. Friends, it's very important that you grab a hold of this. I want you to think about David. David sinned hugely, but the Lord did not destroy him. Remember, he committed adultery. He had that man murdered, but the Lord would not destroy him. Now, Judah and its king, they sinned hugely too. They sinned big, yet the Lord would not destroy them either. Why? Because they were all under covenant promise. Friend, what I'm trying to say is that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, then you are under the new covenant promise of eternal life. God will not destroy you. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, friends, it says no condemnation. That means no condemnation. It means he's not going to destroy you. When you are saved, By Jesus, for real, not one of them fakers you just assume that you are, but you're acting like the same knucklehead you already were. When you're saved for real, you will not be condemned. You will not. It is promised. Now, hang on before some of you bust a blood vessel, okay? The single biggest theological debate that I catch from people, and I've even had people quit the church over this one issue is that some people believe that a sealed promise of salvation condones a sin license. They call me a Calvinist for saying it. Don't I'm not a Calvinist. They call me this. They All these little labels that they learned, picked up from some study somewhere, they slap me with it. And instead of realizing I'm just getting this from the Bible, I mean, I told you to mark down verse 19. You did see it. 
It's they sinned like crazy. They followed in the ways of all the kings, sin after sin, generations of piled up accumulated sins. And yet God would not destroy Judah because he had a covenant promise on them. You saw that. You read it. I had you read it. I had you take observance to it because I'm. don't get mad at me and call me these crazy names. I'm not the one that wrote it. Okay, take it up with God and his word. But the problem with peoples, they think that sealed promise covenant salvation condones a sin license. People like this, they just cannot swallow it because they they think it allows people to say, well, you know, hey, I'm saved in Jesus, so I'm just going to sin all I want to. I reject that viewpoint completely. That is not right. God's covenant promise does not condone a sin license. You saw what happened to the king. He paid for it. He was not given honor at his funeral. The people didn't regret that he died. He paid big time for his sin. This does not condone a sin license. But we must understand that God keeps his promises irregardless of what man does. God does not base his truths or his promises based upon man's character. He bases his promises all upon himself. The work of your salvation is not based on what you do. The work of your salvation is based upon what Jesus did on the cross. The whole reason why God is still working with his people of Israel through all of these many chapters of wickedness, throughout First and Second Kings, and even throughout history to, until today. The reason he's still working with the people of Israel is because God keeps his promises, even when his people mess up. If God retracted his promises and said, okay, you messed up, forget the rest, I'm going to take it all back, then guys, there wouldn't even be a book of Second Kings at all. God would have cut Israel off long before even 1 Kings was written. We wouldn't even be in this book studying it right now. Something I want to ask you. Did you know that God already knows that we're sinners? (laughs) He already factored that into the equation before he sent Jesus to die for us. He already knows that we have a sin nature. But a lot of people think of salvation in terms of that you're either allowed to sin all you want to, or that God can take salvation away from you. Friends, I'll tell you, it means neither one of these ways. God leaves his covenant promises in place. He keeps them. But that does not mean that he condones sin. God would not destroy Judah for the sake of David, as he had promised him. If God broke his covenant promises, then that would make God a liar. But just because you're under covenant promise, that does not give you the right to sin all you want to. Because God also can execute harsh judgment even to those who are under covenant promise. Now, I want you to remember all the heavy trials that God had put on to David. He murdered Uriah. He had adultery with Bathsheba. You remember that, right? God executed judgment on his own covenant guy, David. David went through, I mean, he went through a mess. This is the same David that God spared Judah for David's sake. You really should go back and listen to my series about David. The book's talking about David's life. God protected him under his covenant promise, but boy, he sure laid judgment on David thick for the sins that David committed. 
Friends, what I'm trying to say is that don't become fearful that God might take salvation away from you if you mess up. We're going to mess up. We're sinners. And I'm not condoning that and saying it's okay. It's not okay. But it is clearly written in Scripture that God does not break His promises. If He did, He wouldn't be God. At the same time, I don't want you to treat salvation like it's a free ride to sin all you want to, thinking that God's judgment can't touch you anymore because it can. The difference between a king like David and the kings we read about today in chapter 8 that went down bad for their sin is that when David messed up, he confessed it and he repented of his sins whenever he committed them. Friends, that's the sign of somebody that's truly under salvation covenant. If you're not repentant of your sins, I wonder if you're truly in the covenant with Jesus in the first place. When we get saved, we don't have the freedom to sin all we want to. We have the freedom to not sin. We have the freedom to do what the Lord God tells us to do. But when we're not saved, we are in bondage. Friends, there is freedom in Jesus, but never mistake that freedom with the freedom to sin. You know, we represent Jesus to a lot of people that think they're saved and they're not. They live like their lives are a big sin license, and we've got to show them what repentance looks like. Now, I want you to consider the difficulties of ministry that Elijah and Elisha had to deal with back in their day. That bell worship just wouldn't go away. Now, today in our own ministry, we all have our own challenges because we've got sin in our culture that just does not want to go away. But Elijah and Elisha, they gave us a good example to follow. They had to tough it out for the Lord. And guess what? You and I do too. But that's why we're here together on Set for Life Radio. That's why you need to be in your church with an assembly of good believers to gain from them and be walk strengthened and encouraged with them because we got a lot we got to do together. Be in the body of Christ. It's the best place to be. Now, in the next chapter, we're about to see God really lay judgment down hard on all of those who abused his promises. Friend, if you're saved by Jesus, don't abuse his promise. Don't abuse his covenant. Follow him. Obey him. You actually have to be doing what the Lord said to do if he is actually your Lord or he's not really your Lord. If you're not sure where you are with him right now, Here's how you can, what you can do to get right. Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Save me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I'm thankful for your promise. And Lord, if I have abused your covenant promise, then I confess and I repent it. Then I confess and repent of it. Forgive me for mistreating the new covenant that Jesus gave me. And Lord, for those who have not been saved yet at all, here's what they pray. Lord, pray with me. I'm sorry, Lord, I messed up. I made a mess. And thank you, you came to clean it up for me. I give you my life. Take over. Thank you for giving me the promise of eternal life. I give you my life and I will follow you now. Thank you. I repent of my sins. I confess it. Yes, I'm a mess up. I messed up bad. But take it all. Take it for me, Lord God. And thank you for paying for it. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Don't send me a bunch of Calvinist emails. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Just follow the word of God. Do what it says. It's right there in the book. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.